You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb, and we are back with another episode of Digging Deep. And today I am joined with a old friend of mine. Well, not old, because that means that I'm old and I wouldn't want to be that way. But he's an old friend of mine. Uh, back in the day when I was doing kinesiology, uh, we met at uh, Sports Central, and he was he was this juggernaut beast of a man. And you know, over the years we've gotten to know each other. I had the very fortunate opportunity to photograph his wedding. Um, I wanted you guys to to really uh, give it up for Mr. Isaac Payne. Uh, he recently had to close down his business uh, as a gym uh, due to COVID. And as much as that is an unfortunate thing, he really embodies the spirit of the entrepreneur because not much after that, he launched Mom and Pop on Instagram, uh, looking to chase that same uh, same mission to impact small and uh, medium-sized businesses uh, around the world, I think. Um, so I'm super glad to have you here, buddy. Uh, you know, thank you so much for taking my invitation at such short notice. Uh- Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's no time like the present to uh, reach out and help small businesses. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So I'm going to start off because uh, I think it's, it's hyper relevant now. Why uh, small businesses for you? What, what, what is the reason why you <clears throat> decided to open Mom and Pop? Well, I've been a small business owner for you know, about 12 years or so now in the fitness industry. So, you know, it's, it's kind of been my life. You know, I know the plight of the small business owner. I know the long hours, wearing the many hats, trying to always be creative, you know, keep expenses low while trying to keep revenues high, managing staff and just, you know, you know, always having to find creative ways to brand yourself and reach out to people and get the exposure that you want in order to run a successful business. So it's a lot of work and I understand the challenges. The margins, sorry, the margins aren't super high. So, you know, it's, it takes a lot of work, you know, but it's, it's fulfilling because you know, you're doing something for you and uh, you're creating a community and you're, you're, you're basically, you're helping other people and you're changing lives, at least in the fitness industry you are. And uh, I was very passionate about fitness but i realize i'm also passionate about just small business and helping small businesses grow and thrive and continue especially during these challenging times yeah and let's speak to those challenging times so you know you uh owned a gym and it was crossfit uh style kind of gym it's a high intensity workout um you know and a part of that you know really uh the backbone of your business we're a service-based industry um, but you have such a big community component to that. Um, and so before we dive into what's happened with COVID, let's talk about community and, you know, what it takes to build a community around a brand. Um, you know, what, what type of things have you did, did you do to, to build that uh, community of people um, who, who really, like, you know, became the tribe of your business? Well, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I didn't use any crazy strategies for the most part. It was a lot of it was people experienced something different with my workouts, I guess, you know, they were intense, they were different. Um, and people got great results. 
and they also enjoyed the environment that I created, laid back, not too strict. Um, they enjoyed being around me. And uh, you just build a rapport with people. You make that connection when you spend an hour, you know, an hour a day, three, four times a week with someone, you start to build a rapport. And then those relationships grow from there. And uh, it's just one thing I never, you know, I never had a set strategy. I was just me. I was always just treating people the way they wanted to be treated, deliver great results, great service, and, uh, you know, try to build a lot of goodwill that way, right? And, you know, I never had any, none of my clients were ever on contracts or that, so no one was ever obligated to come to my facility or stay at my facility. Anyone who was in there wanted to be there. So it just made for a great environment. And uh, just over time, that grew, you know, it's just that compound effect, right? You know, you, you start with one, you know, and uh, you satisfy that one person, they tell another, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how I grew from there. And it's just uh, hard work, commitment, and uh, perseverance on the ground floor. That's what it was really what it took for me. Yeah, and I think it's really nice that uh, you're able to summarize that. I think a lot of small business owners, you know, think that they have to personify uh, something that's not them. And I think you know what really really makes you successful, uh, and it's really the buzzword nowadays. It's authenticity. It's being who you are and that's what it is like you were who you are and people are resonate with that because you don't have to put on a face you don't have to say one thing and do another but all your actions align and you know it's no no uh surprise that you you found success in that yeah absolutely i tried to just you know talk the talk and sorry walk the walk and talk the talk you know and lead by example and uh yeah what you see is what you get i don't sugarcoat a whole lot so uh that either repels certain people and attracts others so at the end of the day i could help my hold my head high knowing that i did i acted with integrity and i did the right thing so i have no uh no shame in uh how things have played out and you shouldn't um you know <laughs> and, and that leads me right into you know what happened with your business um, you know, can we talk about a little bit about where that your business was um, before all this like madness in 2020 happened? Like, you know, what was your business like? Like, you know, uh, were you thriving? Were you already, you know, feeling the effects of other things? Like, or or were you just continuously growing and all of a sudden evaporated? My business was pretty steady, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was going it was going pretty well. Um, I didn't have much complaints. I had a really good group of people coming through there, people I enjoyed spending time with and stuff. And, you know, work wasn't really work. It was, uh, it was quite enjoyable. Having said that, being in that space, um, property taxes were going up and stuff like that. So it was getting more expensive. And having a, a landlord that's, uh, they're a big corporation. They're, uh, they're not as forgiving with that kind of stuff. So it makes it harder to uh, have any leeway with your business. But at the same time, the day-to-day -day was great. Um, business was, was really fun and enjoyable. And uh, I really miss that aspect of it, the day-to-day the -day and the people. That's what makes the business is the people. That's the hardest part of letting go. But uh, overall, it was, uh, it was running smoothly. And uh, yeah, just all of a sudden, you know, it's like the rug just gets pulled out from under you. And it just, uh, it's quite shocking. And you're, you're faced with a situation where you have to make a decision 
do you do you stay and bleed more or do you just pull the plug and uh try and save your salvage what you have so that was the decision i was forced to make yeah that's a tough decision for any entrepreneur not just like you know not just you i, I think a lot of people struggle um and so what made you decide to uh cut your losses early and hedge it uh rather than bleed on like what 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 some some of the factors that weigh into that um you know is it family is it uh you know the bank account is it that you know you would rather save more now so that you can put back into it when the economy is better you know what what type of things put into that it's a combination um first i guess I, uh my lease i had about 3 years left on my lease and i probably wasn't going to renew it just based on how the expenses were looking in that space so that was a factor i am a father of two now so i have a, a two and a half year old and a four month old at home and uh, the thought of not being able to bring home the bacon with the with two little ones at home was uh, a little bit scary for me and i didn't want to enter in a situation where i'd be drowning and possibly not being able to provide for my family because my wife's not working right now so i had to think about that <clears throat> as well as uh my landlord essentially forced my hand so when the time came when uh, basically at the end of march when everything started just basically to shut shut down and uh i noticed that uh my my revenue had just dropped and plummeted in the last last half of march and i uh went to my landlord and i asked them uh you know i told my cat i can't pay april rent just due to a sharp decline in revenue and uh they essentially said well pay us for april and then we'll talk about deferrals so it was pretty cold and i get i've given them 7 years uh of a perfect track record and the fact that they were weren't going to give me the benefit of the doubt whatsoever just kind of for me just left it left a sour note with me and made me very angry at the time but it also forced me to make a decision and I thought to myself well I have no idea how long this covid thing is going to go on for and there's no way I'm going to drain my savings trying to stay alive and the other thing was I wasn't qualifying for any subsidies or loans and I didn't really want to take out any loans and go into debt just to try to fulfill like a 3 year lease you know what i mean so there was a lot of bumps in the road there that i thought well you know what this is going to be a struggle and really stressful to try to stay alive here all just to be able to pay my landlord and i thought about it I'm like you know what i got to i got to shut it down now and step away and take and salvage what i have and take what i have now and uh let the storm pass but i just don't want to be in the storm because uh it's just too much too much on the line so yeah in essence the their lack of uh forgiveness put my back to the wall and forced me to make a decision quick and unfortunately it was a tough decision but it was the right decision so uh i guess it came down to my overbearing landlord that made me made me make the decision i made and i think landlords now um you know i think in the last decade or so they've had such a really great run with the economy doing well and people you know okay paying the bills and that made them callous to the situation uh 
and and I can understand from a landlord's point of view to some degree, um, you know, that yeah, they have bills too, uh, but there's got to be a happy medium, uh, and and I think it's it's really crappy uh, that landlords and and you know other other governing bodies don't have the empathy for small businesses. Um, you know, they don't seem to, a lot of them don't seem to want to work that out. Uh, you know, if if everybody is in that boat and everybody you know is is above water. Everybody wins, but you know, for for your landlord to now force you to to vacate, well, who knows how long he's going to have to sit on an empty space, and he's got to fill the bills. And you know, some in in the pocket is better than none in the pocket. You know, because right now I don't think very many people are going to go and go lease out a space like that. You know, given the climate, so uh, I think that's really unfortunate uh, that they weren't empathetic and compassionate to you as a small business owner. Um, but I think at the end, that's their loss. Uh, I think you did a really good job at evaluating your situation uh, and hedging your losses because I think you know you're going to be able to live and fight another day um, rather than bleed and then try to you know lick your wounds after that. Like uh, you're just going to be that that scrappy alley cat at the end of it all, <laughs> maybe all yeah. like so twisted and you know yeah. like hated <laughs> about the whole scenario. So. You know what? Yeah. This, this is the higher calling for you to spend a little bit of time with your your family while they they need you, and you know you pick up a little bit of, of work on the side. Um, and and I think that that's completely commend, uh, commendable. I don't think uh, you know anybody who who is truly an entrepreneur um, would would think less of you for that. I don't think you know you. I don't think that your business failed. I think that you know given the scenario you made a smart business decision. Yeah, I like to think so. I mean, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's in a different position. I mean, if you're just starting your business, you know, you don't want to just shut down because of COVID, right? You, you want to see it through and kind of, you know, fight the battle, right? Depends on where you're at in your career. I mean, your business, what stage you're at. But for me, I already knew that I wasn't going to stay beyond my three-year term. so. I thought, okay, how, what's the best decision? Do I struggle for the next three years or do I just pull the plug now and uh, reevaluate and uh, try and move on to something else and just not, yeah, not go into debt, trying to stay alive. So that was kind of what went through my mind, but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, right? Cause the landlords, uh, I don't understand because their business is small business. So if we if we're struggling, they're struggling. So it just uh, to me, it's just baffling to me that amidst all this chaos, they still expect to get paid in full. It's uh, it's baffling to me. Yeah, a little bit short sighted. Um, I think mm. they'll, they'll find out what what that turns out to be for their bottom line later. Um, you know, I think maybe they're just too money hungry, too much in debt, uh, you know, over leveraged, and they're just trying to to make their bills and. That means trying to collect from absolutely everybody, but you know, hey, not our business. And no, nope. um, you know, I'm I'm so glad that you're you're not having to to be under that gun. So talk to me about this new thing that we're you're, you're kind of getting into. What is mom and pop, or what do you imagine mom and pop is going to be for you? <clears throat> well, mom and pop for the I guess for the if you're 35 and older, you probably know what entertainment book is. Do you know what entertainment? Yeah, so entertainment uh, yeah. book. So <laughs> I know Absolutely. And, and you know, the entertainment book, that entertainment book is gone from like 
three and a half inch thick down to this like tiny little booklet now because of the digital space. So, you know, talk about a dwindling business, but yeah, anyways, go ahead, go on. Go on. So it was kind of built on that concept of, uh, you know, basically you pay a, a flat fee, which allows you exclusive discounts and a wide range of small local businesses, mom and pop shops from all industries. Um, the idea also was spawned because there's a lot of platforms out there, digital platforms that uh, use small businesses for leverage, but don't necessarily help the small business. I don't know if you want me to name names or not, but you know. Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so there's a, there's a perfect example of a billion dollar company that has leveraged small business meanwhile live, leaving small businesses to continue to struggle. So a lot of my uh, idea was inspired by how can I create a platform that actually helps the business, right? Sure, I wanna be successful too, but I want the businesses to benefit as well in that process, as opposed to just sending them crappy traffic and just like tire kicker customers. So. I wanted to create something that helped the businesses, but also consumers can discover new and interesting things. And, you know, it's, it's just something that we're missing in, 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 our, uh, in our community. Like we all know somebody, for example, we all know somebody who fixes our car. We all have a guy who, you know, does our, cuts our hair. Uh, who's, our, who's your photographer, you know, and all these people are small business owners. We all have a guy for something, so why not we why don't we just promote that guy? And that's what mom and pop is essentially. So, you know, like if you're traveling for example, when we ever travel again, you know, you're on vacation, people always want to go where the locals go. People don't want to go to the chains. They want to know what what do the locals do? Well, you pull up the mom and pop app and you can find where's the best sushi place in New York City. And you know what I mean? You go where the locals go. So stuff like that. That's where the idea came, you know, like, you know, support the little guys because the little guys are the ones that are unique and have all the character. And that's the stuff that people remember, right? It's not the McDonald's or the Tim Hortons. It's a, it's that little Joe's coffee shop that just uses some special beans. Who knows where he gets them from, but that nice, unique flavor, right? That's what people remember. And that's kind of what I want to capture with mom and pop is all the little guys who are fighting the fight out there. And uh, they're the ones who need more love. Amazing. That's an awesome thing to do. I think uh, in, in a sense, I, I like the fact that you're, you're stuffing it to the people who are, who are gouging, you know, upwards to 50% of that revenue that, uh, that they're uh, helping you peddle. Um, yep. You in the trenches for, you know, you know, on the hook for basically nothing. I mean, at that point, you know, what, what, what is the retention rate of, of any of those people who bought those things and, you know, you're banking on the people actually not fulfilling them. And, and if that's the case, I mean, that's a completely different model. If you're banking on people not redeeming the stuff and, you know, purchasing it, <laughs> and buying it through fire, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a really, that really helping your small business, right? Like, you know, people well, who uh, bought... It's, like it's the, ridiculous to me, right? It's just, it's not sustainable. So I don't know, like, you know, what these guys are thinking in the long run. Like, you know, how long can you do that for? Do you know what I mean? Like after a while, you're just burning all the bridges that you're 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 working with, right? So eventually businesses don't want to do business with you. So what what good is it, right? Or I want to create something where 
I can build long lasting partnerships and valuable partnerships and people and build a platform that people look forward to being a part of, right? You know, they can explore and find cool stuff and they know that when they make a purchase, they're helping that business, not hurting that business, right? So that's kind of where it came from. Amazing. So let's wind that back a little bit. So, you know, where does, where does this type of passion come from? Like, you know, was it from a young age, but wanted, like, were you like, were you picked on or something? Like, were you huh. the little guy? And like, you know, you just wanted to fight for the little guy? Like, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I look at you, you're like the behemoth of a man, right? Like, you know, <laughs> what's that story? Where, where, where does that drive to, to help the underdog, you know, come from? I guess I've always, I've always been fascinated with the underdog story. My my parents are both hardworking. My dad was a small business owner. He ran a bakery for a number of years. He was a one-man show as well. And he worked really hard and he struggled. And I guess I get my work ethic from both my parents. Um, I've always been a very competitive person. You know, I've always, I've always liked to go, like even when I was younger, I always wanted to play sports against the older kids. You know, I, was, I love, I take, I always took pride in beating the kids that were a grade or two higher than me. So I guess I've always liked to overcome and kind of just shine. Yeah. So I guess the story of the underdog has always been in me. I didn't realize it, but I guess it's just something I, I enjoy. I enjoy the challenge. And uh, I, yeah, it's the same thing now. It's like I want to take on Groupon. I want to take on Class Pass. I want to take on, you know, whoever, whoever's, whoever's the top dog. I want to I see if I can close the gap on them. I guess that's what makes me hungry and keeps me, keeps me excited, right? So I, I'm, I'm not sure where it started, but I guess it's always been in. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you're playing sports and you're in the competitive nature, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think you always want to kind of be a step ahead and you kind of, kind of look at like, you know, that where you are today, there's always going to be more. You're always looking out for who's that more. So you just kind of continue to climb that mountain. You know, instead of looking for a mentor, you're looking for the challenge, right? Like, you know, that person for the time being, as long as you're not not at their level, they are your mentor until you figure out a leap above them, right? Uh, and I think yep. that's interesting. So tell me a little bit about competitive sports and how that played into your business, uh, you know, ethics and, and the way that you operated a business. Did you find being a competitor uh, was, you know, did certain skills translate from that all into, into business? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Being a competitor, uh, being an athlete, it taught me, you know, hard work, perseverance, uh, understanding that there's going to be setbacks and failures and how to work through them. I learned a lot of that from sports. You know, things don't go your way in a game or whatever. You have to be able to be mentally tough, regroup, reset, keep moving forward, you know. Um, uh, and it, it gave me uh, the edge I needed to, and the confidence I needed to to go out on my own and step away from being an employee. That was the biggest thing, right? Because it's, it's pretty easy to stay comfortable and just be an employee. But uh, being competitive and wanting to do things my own way, I've always been a, a free thinker. Uh, I like to challenge the status quo a lot. So when everyone's going left, I'm making a right turn. And that's just you know how, how I've always been naturally. I've just always just challenged the status quo. Sometimes it worked in my favor. Sometimes it didn't. Well, that's just kind of my personality. I take everything with a grain of salt. And I think all of those things combined is what made my business unique. Cause you know, 
over the years. I know I saw a lot of other gyms pop up and stuff like that, but no one was quite doing it the way I was doing it. So I knew that I was doing something right because I was, I still had a competitive advantage. So I think for me, yeah, being an athlete had taught me a lot. It's kind of served the foundation because it just gave me that kind of fighter's mentality. And that's kind of what entrepreneurship is, right? In a lot of, a lot of ways, you have to have that mentality, right? Always strategizing, always plotting, and you got to dig, you got to dig, you got to take your lumps and you got to be able to stand back up. Absolutely. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about the competitive sports you did play. Well, I, I, I kind of know them, but I think for my viewers and, and the listeners, I mean, you know, what type of competitive sports are we talking about here? Uh, in high school, I was a track athlete. That was my main sport, uh, 100 meter, 200 meter, long jump, triple jump, I played basketball and I played rugby as well. So, uh, yeah, those are my three big sports uh, throughout high school. And then after after that, I just kind of went into, uh, after high school, basically school and got into kinesiology and everything else and uh, fell in love with fitness and fitness kind of filled a void because I wanted to be healthy and active and stay in shape, even though I wasn't competing in sports anymore. Um, so fitness kind of filled that void. And then fast forward till about, I guess, 2010-ish, the whole CrossFit thing happened and exercising became a sport. <laughs> and I was like, hey, okay, I already exercised. So, hey, let's give this a whirl. So that's when that happened. And I kind of fell in love with that because, again, it just fueled that competitive fire. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. And so it's funny that, uh, you know, you talk about track, you talk about uh, rugby, um, you know, and, and all of those, uh, those sports. Um, they are very cerebral in nature, but very different in, in the in in the way that you access uh, your mind and the mindset. I mean, track and field, I think a lot of it is uh, that perseverance and getting over um, you know mental hurdles like pain points and, and that type of stuff. Um, but then rugby is strategic in, in in that sense, where you know you're looking for opportunities and gaps to exploit to get through uh, and, and accomplish goals and missions. How do you think that the type of mentality with both types of disciplines, um, you know, kind of enact and, and enable you to navigate through an entrepreneur uh, world, so to speak? Sorry. Can you see me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like the with track and field, because it is very mental and it's a lot of precision. Um, that allowed me to kind of pay attention to detail and allowed me to stay focused. And I do enjoy being an individual athlete. And I guess that's another part of why I was able to run my business successfully with minimal staff, because I guess I am an individual in that regard. Um, The rugby aspect, you're right. It's also looking for opportunities, seeing the gaps, seeing the holes, seeing where how things are going to unfold and you have to it's like a chess game almost you have to be able to think a few moves ahead right and uh running a business is the same way you have to plot you have to strategize and you have to kind of foresee the the pitfalls coming prepare for them and then you know weather the storm you know when the times are good you have to also know that they might not always stay good so you, you have to constantly uh be aware of the ebb and the flow very much like a rugby game. It's a lot of ebb and flow, a lot of back and forth. And uh, I think entrepreneurship is like, is like that as well. So the rugby or team sports taught me that aspect, you know, and working with others, communication, 
those are all big things, right? And dealing with people and being able to respond to various types of situations. So yeah, I mean, sports taught me a lot in uh, many ways, more ways than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I think that uh, it's it's really neat when when you know, and, and it just sort of occurs to me now as you're talking about it. I go, there's so many parallels to it, uh, and I think uh-huh. it's really interesting that when you pin the type of um, sports that you played uh, and and how that kind of translates into you know the business world and the different types of mindsets required. Uh, you know, you can't you can't just be opportunist um, and and not have the mental fortitude to kind of finish push through. Uh, nor the precision, um, you know, because too sloppy and it's hard to come back from that sort of stuff, right? So, absolutely, awesome. Well, one of the things I like to, to ask uh, my guests when they're on uh, a podcast is, could you tell me a uh, reference, a book, you know, something that has inspired your entrepreneurship journey that you could share with people so that they could go and explore and find, um, you know, inspiration uh, for their business. That was a few I've read over the last few years. Um, one is called The Compound Effect. Um, basically, just talking about how you need to take small, consistent steps uh, to eventually do big things, right? I think we're all waiting for that one thing that's just going to create the magic, but really, it's a cumulative effect of de- the day-to-day deposits that you make. I like to think of it like putting a penny in a piggy bank. Every day, put a penny in the piggy bank. You know, boom, next thing you know, you got a full piggy bank, you got a fortune, but one penny at a time seems like nothing, but every every penny is a step in the right direction. And that's the cumulative effect of uh, acquiring success. There's that, uh, there's a book called The One Thing, which is basically, I know it basically allows you to focus or teach you how to focus on what's most important right now. Um, what's the one thing you can do to be productive today? What's the one thing that's going to move the needle forward? Um, I think a lot about that in my, when, even when I'm training. You know, what's the one exercise or thing I can do today that's going to make me better than yesterday? I might work out for an hour, but maybe there's only one thing that's going to move the needle. Right? So I ask myself that same question with business too. What's the one thing I can do that's going to be uh, propelling me in the, in the right direction that I want to go in? So that's also good, but it helps you to maintain focus and not get distracted by all the clutter. Because there are a million things you can be doing, but what's the one thing that's going to move you forward? And then there was another book I read, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I read that one a long time ago, and that kind of basically just put the mindset about money, how money works. You know, a lot of us don't have the financial education the basic financial education, that one kind of enlightened me a lot about how money really works and how to position yourself to make money and make money work for you, essentially. So that was also a really good one for me. You know, I, I mean, I like Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I grew up with that one, um, one of the very first things I started. Um, but the one that, that you had, the one, one thing, um, uh-huh. what you said at the end was, was really interesting to me. I just want to touch on it. No, normally I would end the podcast, but it was good enough that I think it, it, it's interesting for you, um, uh, for the viewers or for the listeners. Um, now, to try to remember it. So uh, what you were saying is, is, you know, by putting in uh, that one little extra bit is to move the needle forward, doing something that moves the needle every single day. And what I was thinking is, is that 
there's so many people who are busy, you know, quote unquote busy, and and they pride themselves. They wear like a like a like a, a badge, right? Yeah, yeah. And that that means that they're doing something really good. And one thing that I know, um, you know, over the the many years that, that I've been in business, and I'm sure that you felt the same, is when a person is busy, that doesn't mean they're actually moving the needle. And sometimes that busy is actually a way to procrastinate, right? Yep, like, 100%. That, that, like being on their phone and on Instagram, that they're like, oh, you know, my day is busy. But if you're auditing that day, you know, how many hours are they really spending on that screen time that is productive, uh, that they could be doing something else? And, you know, is that an indication of whether or not they're putting off something that they should be doing instead of, you know, just trying to be busy. I think a lot of times we make excuses that we're not spending time with our families, that we're not having an abundant lifestyle because, you know, we think that being busy is a badge of honor and actually, you know, we probably better spend our day than the, on this thing, you know. And today's a good day too, it's blacked out, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great day for that, yes. Yes, yeah. and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we take pride in being busy, but busy doing what? Right. So are you are we being productive or do we just like to say we're busy because it's it's the cool thing? Right. I mean, you can only be so productive and you can only focus on so many things at a time and only so many things are important. So and a lot of times, too, uh, like you said, you know, we're busy in a, as, a, as a way to procrastinate. And usually the thing that needs to be done is usually the hard thing. And that hard thing is what's going to get you to the next level. So dancing around the thing isn't going to get you anywhere. No, and it's so funny because they, they just have to sit there and then they sit, bubble and bubble, bubble and stress is, you know, not important, not urgent, but kind of urgent. And then it gets to like, holy cow, if I don't do this, like I'm going, something bad is going to happen. And then they go and do it. And they're like, oh my God, it wasn't so hard. But they, they spent months you know, yeah. avoiding it, right? And and it's really not as painful sometimes as it seems in our heads, you know. We, we are our biggest challenge. 100% is uh, we, we are in our own way most of the time. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today here on the podcast. I hope our listeners found that, uh, an immense value, um, you know, listening to, to your story, uh, listening to some of the ways that you've made decisions. Uh, if Anybody who's listening to this, enjoy this podcast. Please feel free to uh, follow us. Um, you know, we have uh, Isaac is at mom and pop uh, underscore on Instagram. And of course, there's us at 360 photo on Instagram, uh, where we're both out to uh, empower the people, empower the small business owners, uh, one business at a time. And uh, thank you all for listening and have a great day.